Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. The new series today is actually called Reply All. I I believe this is a series that every single person is going to find really helpful because a survey was sent out to a bunch of people and and asked them, like, what what topics do you want to learn about at church? And so what we did is we picked the top five, and that's what we're going to be talking about over the next five weeks. Y'all excited about that? So next week, we're going to be talking about surviving life's worst moments. And then after that, we're going to be talking about dealing with difficult people. Anybody? Anybody struggle with that? After that, we're going to teach you how to hear God's voice. And then we're going to wrap it up by helping you guys learn how to share your faith, because that's, that's a hard thing to do. And I imagine you, connect with, you can connect with almost all those topics that I just mentioned. And I'm really excited to give you solutions from the Word of God on those topics. And speaking of issues, today we're going to talk about the top dog, like the number one issue that people are dealing with. And according to the American Psychological Association, Three out of four Americans have had at least one health symptom in the past month because of this one thing. What are we talking about? Not women. We are stressed. And I probably didn't have to tell you that. You already knew it before you walked in the door this morning. And I know a good percentage of the room is dealing with stress because it's the number one thing that not only Christians are facing, but the entire world is facing. And I thought I would look up a bunch of stats to share with you guys about stress, but finding them all just kind of stressed me out. <laughs> so I'm not going to share all of them with you, but one I do want to share with you is that there's, there's a group of people that is most affected right now by a constant increase of stress. Any guesses on who that is? Parents? Any other guesses? It's actually ages 8 to 14. We're talking about our kids. And what doctors are finding out is that stress is actually contagious. So when we as adults like allow ourselves to get stressed, it not only affects our life, but it affects the lives of those around us, including our kids. So I think that raises the urgency for us to learn how to overcome stress. Wouldn't you guys agree to that? So let's, let's get honest with ourselves this morning, and I'll start. I had one of the most stressful weeks that I've ever had this past week while I was preparing this message. No joke, most stressful week I've had in a long time. And here's why. We're stressed because we're so busy. You see, we're a busy culture, and, and we kind of wear it like a badge of honor. Like, I, I was busy last week. Look at me. You see, in the last 15 years or so, the work week has gone from an average of 40 hours a week to an average of 47 hours per week. So in essence, what we've done is we've added an entire work day to our schedules. Crazy, isn't it? And it doesn't stop at work because of technology, we get to take our work home. Isn't that great? So like when a text or an email comes through at 9 p.m., even though you're at home, you feel obligated to check that email and respond to that email. So even though you're at home, now you're back at work. And we're not even counting those hours in the 47. Like that's not even included. And the biggest problem with all this is that busy has become part of our identity. It's part of who we are. And that's something that we need to ask God to set us free from, honestly. Because our identity should never be found in how busy we are. We should never be carrying that around like it's a badge of honor. We should never be bragging about how busy we are. Because that's an identity crisis. And we can sit here all day long and talk about how much we don't like being busy. And I imagine that that's part of your daily conversation anyway, right? We all like to talk about that. The problem is we're not doing anything to change it. 
So it's not changing. And, you know, in the past, Americans would have actually told you, like, say, 30 or 40 years ago, Americans would have said that they found their value in family or they found their value in God. But now almost every American you talk to says that they find their value in their work, in what they do. Heck, I'm even guilty of this. And here's what happens. Because we're busy, we're tired. And the most interesting thing about this is that we get too tired for the most important things in our lives. So like we're, we're so busy with work and sports and events that when it comes time to go to church, we convince ourselves that it's, it's better for us to rest than to go to church, even though church is probably the most important thing we do all week. Or you give all your energy at work to work and then you get home in the evening and you don't have ener- any energy left for your family. So instead of engaging with your family, you convince yourself that it's time to rest instead. Doesn't that hurt? Like it hurts, but it's true. And I, I'm guilty of it too. And we've been trained to give all our energy to work so there's nothing left for the things that really matter, like family or showing up on Sunday to know God in a deeper way or to show up to your small group and build relationships that really matter. Like we convince ourselves that those are the things that we need to leave behind because we're so busy. And I'm not getting on to you guys. I'm just like kind of laying it all out there so you can see what's going on. Because this is one of those things that if you don't confront it head on, you could live your entire life doing this and not even realize what's going on. And you get to the end of your life, you're like, man, I wish I would have spent more time with family. Man, I wish I, I wish I would have built deeper relationships with people at church. Why didn't I do that? And you see, we're tired, but we don't know how to rest. And in this statement is actually the answer to that problem. Let me put it to you this way. Our issue is not the presence of busyness, tiredness, or stress. Our issue is actually the absence of rest. You see, we're not talking about sleep. We're talking about real rest. And God is the only one that can provide real rest. Y'all are quiet this morning. Everybody doing okay? Is, is this that deep? All right. Thank God he has the answer in his word because my hope for today is that you're going to gain supernatural wisdom in how to rest the way that God intends you to rest so that you can live your life with vibrance, with energy, and with joy. Does anybody want that besides me? Like that's the kind of life I want to live. So let's start by getting a perspective shift that we find in Psalms. Psalms 127.2 says, It's useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat, for God gives rest to his loved ones. Like rest is a gift from God, just like salvation is a gift from God. Like you can't earn it. You can't earn rest. You can't earn God's rest. All you do is receive it. And I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. The thing is, we can know that the gift is there, but very easily just kind of leave it sitting on the table over here while we're over here living our lives stressed out. And the gift of rest is over there. We're just leaving it on the table. And that's why we get this warning in Hebrews 4.1. says, God's promise of entering his rest, it still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. And that's my concern right there, for God's rest to be sitting right in front of me, but I don't even acknowledge that it's there. And I live my whole life stressed out. And listen to me, God's gift of rest, it's available to every person in this room, not just me, but we need to recognize that it's there. And then you got to take the next step and actually unwrap the gift. And the thing that keeps us from experience God's rest is this, we're looking for rest in all the wrong places. And this shows up in three different ways. You see, rest is deeper than sleep. When talking about rest, like our minds probably go to sleep, like maybe I didn't get enough sleep last night, or maybe I need to take a nap today right? And you might. And yes, sleep is important, but God's rest is actually much deeper than sleep. No matter how good we sleep, we're never going to experience supernatural rest that God gives us until we unpack his gift of rest, which is different than sleep. You see, I used to wear this Fitbit to track the quality of my sleep. 
it's really cool because it like tells you like how much time you spend in light sleep and REM sleep and deep sleep. Like it's a nerd stream. Like to look at all this data. It, it's really interesting at first, but my results honestly weren't that great because I actually started wearing this like when we still had a, a newborn. Riley was really young, and uh, so I stopped wearing it because <laughs> it just kind of put me down. Yeah, and for, but for a while, though, it became like my obsession. Like, I'd wake up in the morning, and I'd open my phone and look at the app and see how good I slept last night. And I would, I would decide that I was tired before I even felt tired because my Fitbit told me that I didn't get that great of sleep last night. Has anybody else done that? And maybe if you haven't done it with a Fitbit, it's like you only slept like six hours that night, and you're used to getting eight, so you decide that you're going to be tired before you even get out of bed because you only got six hours of sleep last night or because the storm woke you up last night or because your kids woke you up last night. You just make this, I guess I'm going to be tired. And I say this for one reason, because get me, like the quality of your sleep, it really does matter. Like you really do need like the deep sleep and all that kind of stuff for your body to recover. I'm sure Dr. Darla could come up here and tell us all about that. But even deeper than that is God's rest. And here's the second thing that gets us off track. Rest is more than time off. We convince ourselves it's okay to have a stressful week because we got the weekend coming, right? But the problem with that is we end up just as busy on the weekend as we do during the week. And then we, like we spend all day Saturday at like sports games and birthday parties and catching up on household chores that we left behind during the week because we were too busy during the week to do it. And then comes Sunday and we are just too tired, right? So we drag ourselves into church because people are counting on us, but man, we can't wait till it's over. You don't got to feel bad for thinking that way because we've all had Sundays like that. But I'm just saying that we need to open our eyes to the distraction of busyness and kind of take some steps to get things back on track. You see, rest is also greater than escape. And there's like this huge problem going on in our generation right now that's called escapism. I don't know if you've heard of that or not, but it's because we're busy and because we're so tired, we like, we look for any lifeline that's going to give us like moments of escape from our reality of a busy life. And here's the definition of escapism. It's the tendency to seek distraction and relief from unpleasant realities, especially by seeking entertainment or engaging in fantasy. So we're talking about Netflix binge watching. We're talking about pornography. That's not just a sexual problem. Sometimes it's just an escape. They're trying to escape their current reality. And it's even why we see the opioid crisis going on, because people are taking pills to escape their current reality. They're just trying to find relief. You see, the problem is escapism promises a lot, but it delivers very little. I mean, you spend all night binge-watching Netflix, which gives you like those few hours of escape at night, but then you just wake up the next morning, and you're in a bad mood, and you feel kind of like disoriented, and, and you're out of energy, and it's all because you spent, you know, six hours watching Netflix before you went to bed. What happens is there's always a crash that follows escapism, regardless of which path that you choose, and any time you, you try to get away from stress by escaping, you'll only find yourself worse off than you did before, and only needing a bigger dose of what you used to escape the last time. It doesn't just happen with drugs. It happens with all kinds of things. And we even do this with our phones. Like, it's like I'm so addicted to busy that anytime I have a free moment, I got to pull out my phone and escape my current reality right here and get into my phone and pull up Facebook or Instagram or my email. And that's, that's a sense of escape. I'm escaping what's going on around me. And let me tell you guys, this is the plague of our generation, these stupid smartphones. We can't even, like, drive down the road without pulling down, out our smartphone, and that's a problem. Like, I just, I get, it just grieves me on the inside whenever I'm driving down the road and I look at the person next to me and they're texting going down the highway, even whenever we know that that kills people. But it's like, we just can't help it. That's a plague. And the funny thing is, like, we all know it really doesn't offer much of a benefit for us to have our phone out all the time. 
yet we just keep doing it. Like, we keep going to something that we think is going to give us escape, or we think it's going to give us some kind of rest to be on Facebook and looking at other people's lives. And the whole time, we're aware that it can't deliver what we're asking it to deliver, but we keep trying to squeeze it out of it anyway. I recently heard a story of a guy who was in one of those seasons of his life that was just, like, really busy. You know, really busy at work, busy family. But then his friend asked him, hey, you want to go on a cruise with me? And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm going to go on this cruise. But we're not talking about like a five-star cruise. We're talking about like a Groupon cruise. But he didn't care. Like he just wanted to get away. So it was three days before the cruise, and he's getting really excited. And then one of his three kids comes down with a stomach bug. And those of you who have more than one kid know that as soon as one kid brings it home, like it just goes through all the kids and eventually ends up on mom and dad, and the whole family gets to experience what Miss Adeline brought home because she sucks her thumb and brings all those germs home with her. So um, they, like, put the kid in quarantine because they're like, that's not going to happen this time. So they put him in his own room, and they get the Lysol out, and they're spraying, and they're cleaning, and they're like, this kid is not going to give this to anybody else. So the kid wakes up the next day. He's better. And then his two siblings get sick that same day. But it's okay because the cruise is still two days away. This is just a 24-hour bug, so, so we're good. Just let them get it out of their system. So all the kids got better. They got on the cruise ship, and, and like, they weren't very far off to sea, and then the dad got sick. And you know, it's bad to be sick at home. But can you imagine being sick like in a small room on a cruise ship? And to make matters worse, uh, the cruise staff has an obligation of whenever you get sick on a cruise to quarantine you to your room so you don't make anybody else sick on the cruise. Because there's a lot of people on the cruise and it's close quarters. So here you are, you like go on this cruise ship and you're like dreaming of like being at the pool and, and having this great time and eating all this great food. And he's just quarantined to his room by himself. And all they'll give him is crackers and Powerade because they're afraid anything else will make his stomach upset. And that's how he got to spend his cruise. So I'm sure you guys all have your own travel war stories. We could all come up here and share one. But I want you to get from this story is that culture is incapable of giving you real rest. They promise you it, but it never happens. Only God can give you real rest. Take a look at this scripture. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. And I'll show you how to take a real rest. So escapism is a thing. We're just escaping to the wrong thing. We're supposed to be escaping with God, according to this verse. And he says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. So our culture offers a lot of options for rest, but none of them are a lasting solution. It's kind of like getting prescribed a medication to like cover your symptoms. Then all that happens is you have to keep taking that medication because it really doesn't solve your problem, right? And that's what culture does with rest. It's like, here's a solution, go on vacation, take time off. And, and you just have to keep taking it because it doesn't actually provide lasting rest. Well, there is a way to walk and rest every single day, but this kind of rest, like I said, it's only found in God. You're not going to find it in more sleep. You're not going to find it in time off. You're not going to find it in any kind of medication. You'll only find it by intentionally walking with God every single day of your life. So let's unpack what this looks like. And I'm going to give you three things that are going to guide you into real rest. And the first thing is we rest in salvation. Like, Jesus gave his life to save yours. If it wasn't for Jesus, you all would be headed straight to hell as soon as you die. Like, that's the reality. But all you have to do is believe in Jesus and make him the leader of your life, and you get the gift of heaven. And I know, I tell you guys this every Sunday, but it's good news every time we hear it. 
Such good news. But there's even better news. Like, we don't have to wait for heaven to experience our salvation, like, to have those experiences. Like, we can experience salvation and get the benefits of salvation while we're here living on earth. We don't have to wait. And I don't think we talk about that enough. We kind of, like, push all the good stuff off till heaven, but God wants to give you some of that good stuff while you're right here. And one of those is the gift of rest. And it's a gift. Like, you don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay God back for it. He wants you to receive the gift. So let me show this to you in scripture. Hebrews 4, 3 says, for only we who believe can enter his rest. So what's the condition for entering God's rest? Believe. Like you simply have faith in the fact that God provided it for you and you receive the gift. And if you believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus and you've received that gift of salvation, the gift of rest is right there waiting for you. Yet so many of us are like laying on the couch stressed out when the gift of rest is over here on the kitchen table. Like it's within reach, it's just we either don't believe that it's there, or we just haven't taken the time to unpack it. So scripture goes on to say, as for the people who don't believe, God said, in my anger I took an oath, they will never enter my place of rest, even though the rest has been already, even though this rest has been ready ever since he made the world. So if you don't believe, you don't get his rest. But if you believe, you get his rest. Like it's that simple. We know it's ready because of the place in Scripture where it mentions the seventh day. On the seventh day, God rested from all his work. Like, this idea of rest is not something new. It's been around since the world was created, and God is the one that set the example for us. And if you remember the story in the book of Genesis, like, God took six days to create the entire world, and then he looked at what he created, and he was like, dang, that's good, right? And then, he, so he took the seventh day to rest. And like, how many of you guys have had a, a, t- a day at work where you're like, that was a good day? Like you accomplished everything that was on your list and you just killed it. Anybody? Like that's how God was feeling in that moment. Like killed it, taking a day of rest. And because he knocked it out of the park, he took that day to rest. And, and you know, he, didn't, he wasn't thinking about what he would do tomorrow. He wasn't thinking about work. He was just enjoying what he had done the last six days. Super awesome. Setting the example. The problem is like we don't experience that very often in the natural. Like you don't have those days where you just knock it out of the park very often. So if we were waiting for the perfect day where we felt accomplished, we'd probably only get to rest like once or twice a year, right? But here's the cool thing. We can step into God's rest every single day. We don't have to earn it. Because Jesus earned it for us. And now it's just up to us to receive the benefits of it. You see, when God looks at us, he sees the perfection of Jesus. He sees the work that Jesus did on the cross. And he says to you, enter my place of rest because the work has already been done. Jesus did it. This isn't about the work that you do. This is about the work that Jesus already did. And you get to reap the benefits of it. I know it feels kind of strange to benefit from somebody else's work, but that's exactly why Jesus did it. He wants you to benefit from the work that he did on the cross. So how do we access this rest? Well, we enter it through repentance, and we remain through relationship. And don't let this word repentance scares you. I know that's kind of like a scary churchy word, right? But all it means is like turn the other direction. In other words, you, like, you enter God's rest when you say, okay, my way's not working, so I'm going to turn this way and follow God. Make sense? Super easy. And then you just, you remain in his rest by continuing to build that relationship. How do you build a relationship with God? Well, it's through prayer and it's through reading his word and it's through hanging out with his people like you guys are here doing today. But if you're like me, you're going to actually have to enter through repentance like every single day because I tend to like get stuck in this idea that I got to solve my own problems and I got to worry about it, write it down on paper. But really God just wants you to give it to him because I don't know if you guys know this or not, but he's a lot better at handling it than you can. I mean, just look around. Like, his power is a lot greater than yours because he created this whole place. So why are you trying to lean into your power whenever you should be leaning into his power? Because 
I've already touched on the second way to enter God's rest, but I'm going to do it some more. We're going to like really dive into this. We rest by keeping Sabbath. Oh man, we're talking about like an Old Testament word here, right? And a lot of people start turning you off whenever you start talking about stuff like that. But don't turn me off because this one might be exactly what you need. It's exactly what I needed this week. But in case you're not sure, what, what, is, what is the Sabbath? That's a weird word. Let's go to Scripture to explain it. Exodus 28 says, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath. It's a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. So before Jesus, this was actually a law that people had to follow. Is a requirement. But Jesus fulfilled the law, which means we don't have to worry about keeping all these rules and these regulations. But take a look at what this says in the New Testament in Hebrews 4.9. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. So the Sabbath is no longer a law. It's like an offer. The benefits still remain. Like God's saying, here's some real rest in the Sabbath. You can take it or leave it. It's up to you. Who wants it? On a side note, the same thing goes for tithing, which is another Old Testament thing you'll find, which is given the first 10% of your income to the place that feeds you spiritually, which is your church. And the benefits of tithing is that it opens the windows of heaven and pours out a blessing so much you can't contain it. And not only that, but it rebukes the things that devour your income, like your car breaking down all the time and things happening to your house and all that kind of stuff. So, but like I said earlier, Jesus fulfilled the law. So these aren't things that you have to do to be saved. These aren't things that you have to do to experience God's love. They're just offers to you. Like you can still... Pick them up and reap the benefits of them. And when you think of keeping the Sabbath, you probably imagine yourself kind of like laying on the couch all day. Like no cleaning, no cooking, none of that stuff. I'm just going to take some time to recover from the week I just had. But in the Jewish culture, that's actually not what the Sabbath looked like at all. Actually, it was the most vibrant day of the week for them. Like they woke up on the Sabbath and they were excited about what was getting ready to happen. It's one of those days where like you don't have to rush to get anywhere. Like you just kind of like take your time. And that night, it's like you simply wake up and enjoy some quiet time with the Lord, and then maybe take some time to eat breakfast with family. It's not like you have 15 minutes to eat breakfast, then you got to get out the door. Like, this is like you're taking your time. And then maybe you like take a nap after lunch or read a great book, and then that evening you have some your friend's family over for dinner. It's really just, it's a change of pace from the rest of your week, because the rest of your week, you're pushing. You have a schedule. You have to follow. You're getting up at a certain time. You're going to bed at a certain time. But Sabbath is just like, take time to enjoy those around you. Take time to build your relationship with God and just relax. Doesn't that sound good? Those are good days. So if you've ever tried this, you know that it works. Anybody ever tried it, taking a Sabbath day off? Yeah, it works. And when I'm, when, I, when I'm faithful to keep the Sabbath, like, I don't end the work week tired and worn out. Like, I, actually, I still have energy left, and I'm excited about the Sabbath. But if I miss just one, like, if I take one week, I'm like, I need to work all seven days this week because I got a lot to catch up on. Let me tell you, the second week when it's time for Sabbath, I am tuckered out. And those are the days that I want to lay on the couch all day because I wasn't faithful to keep the Sabbath. And this is one that I've actually been missing a lot lately. So I'm really glad that the Holy Spirit was, had me prepare this message because I needed a reminder. And actually... It's, I, I planned this message, I think it was about six months ago. I planned to be talking about stress today, not knowing what would happen. And then I had the most stressful week that I've ever had. And I had this temptation to not take a Sabbath yesterday because my Sabbath day of rest is on Saturdays because Sunday's not really much of a day of rest for me because we get to come here and have church and there's a lot that goes on to make that happen. And that's okay. Your Sabbath can be on Sunday. It's not the day that matters. It's just the fact that you take one. And there, we have a lot going on right now with what we're doing. And I could have very easily worked yesterday. There was a lot to do yesterday. But because I was preparing this message, I was like, man, well, I better actually follow the advice that I'm going to give the people on Sunday. So I had, I had to work pretty hard during the week to get everything done that I needed to get done before Saturday. Got it done. Took a Sabbath yesterday. 
Man, it was nice. I'm glad I did that. So how do we enter into Sabbath rest? Well, y'all, we enter through discipline. And that's not a very fun word, word, but if you want the benefits of Sabbath, you have to decide that it's important, and then you have to set up a guard around your Sabbath day and do whatever it takes to make sure that you have one. If you're afraid that this is going to make your life fall apart, you're like, Kate, I can't take a day off. I got too much going on. I want you all to just look at Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A as an organization decided we're going to take off Sundays as our Sabbath and close the business down. I don't know about you guys, but that's just crazy. Because, yeah, especially, I mean, everybody in church, like, goes out to eat after church on Sunday. And almost every Christian likes Chick-fil-A. So can you imagine, like, what they could rake in on Sunday mornings from all the church people coming to eat Chick-fil-A, the Lord's chicken? But they didn't do that. So did they, did they fall apart as a result of that? They sure didn't. You see, Chick-fil-A has an average of $4.7 million in sales per year per store. How does that compare to McDonald's? Well, McDonald's has $2.8 million in sales per store. 4.7, 2.8. So even being closed one day a week while McDonald's is still open, Chick-fil-A outpaces McDonald's by almost double. Crazy, isn't it? Because they're honoring God's principle. So let's be a Chick-fil-A and not a McDonald's, right? Let's trust God that even when it doesn't make sense in the natural, like his way is the best way, because it really is. And here's the third one for you guys. We rest through significance. You see, Hebrews 4.11 says, so let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. And you know, it's a little perplexing to think about how I was telling you guys it's a gift, and now I'm like saying you got to do something for God's rest. Well, I want you to think back to Christmas as a kid, and like maybe one of those Christmases wherever you got like a remote control car or something like that, and you unwrap the gift, and, and man, you could just unwrap it and leave it on the table. It wouldn't be near as fun as unpacking the gift and putting batteries in the remote control and actually playing with the gift. Well, God's rest works just the same way. You unpack it, or you unwrap it, but then you got to unpack it. So God's rest is that way, but it's not something we're going to experience. It's not something that we're going to get the full benefit of until we actually do something with it. you got to do something with the gift. And one of the best ways we can do with the rest that God's given us is actually step into what he's called us to do, step into our purpose, step into his plan for our lives, So we step into our purpose and we allow God's power to work on the inside of us. And in that process, we actually experience his rest, even though we're doing something for God. Like, have you ever had that moment where you knew that you were doing what you were made to do? Like other people might've looked at you and they're like, man, that looks like a lot of work. And you're just like, doesn't feel like work to me because it's what I was made to do. Well, y'all, this is what our entire life should look like. It really should. Yes, we should work hard and we should be diligent and we should be faithful. Like we talked about last week, those are character traits that we should carry around. But even though it looks like work to other people, it shouldn't feel like work to us because I'm doing what I was made to do. And if you're having a hard time figuring out what that is, that's why we have the growth track. Like it's a simple four-week journey where we're going to guide you into finding God's purpose for your life so that you don't have to wander anymore. You've probably heard me talking about it for the last two months, and I'm really excited that today is actually week one of the growth track for the first time introducing growth track. So it happens right after church and it'll be from 1230 to 130 p.m. today. And we're even going to provide lunch for you guys. But if you're itching to find your purpose and enter into God's rest through what you're doing, then, then I want you to come to growth track because it's going to help you. And I'm sure you could find an excuse not to come, but, but don't do it. Just push that excuse aside so that you can figure out why you're here. 
because you need to know that. And I imagine some of you are thinking right now, you're like, I know what it is, Kate. I, I just got to find a new job. Like, that's the answer. Like, I'm not doing what God called me to do in my job. And although God may lead you to a new job, like he does that, it's not the answer. Here's the answer right here. We enter into God's rest by attaching God's purpose to our position. Like once you find your purpose through the growth track, you're going to find that you can actually attach that purpose to any position that you're in. So like, even though you may not like your job, you may be right where God needs you to be. The problem is you just don't know why you're there. But once you know the reason, you're going to see your job in a whole new light. So what I want to do is I want to pray right now for us to have purpose, for us to have direction and wisdom in what needs to happen. So Lord, we come to you right now and we, and we ask you to, to lead us. Lord, if we, need, if we need to step into a new job, show us that. Give us peace in that and, and, and lead us in those steps. But most of all, God, I ask that you reveal to us your purpose for our lives so we don't walk around confused, so we don't walk around unfulfilled, and so we don't walk around wondering, like, God, we want to know why we're here. We want to be able to say, I was made for this. I was made to be alive, and I was made to serve, and I was made to work here and do this and do that and, and, and impact these people's lives. Like, that's what I was made for. Lord, that's my prayer for every person in this room, that they step into a deep purpose and understand the meaning of their life. Lord, this morning we lay, we lay before you the stress, the anxiety, trying to solve these problems on our own. God, we lay that before you and we receive your power and we receive your direction. We receive your answers. Lord, I believe that you had a specific word for people in this room. Every person had a specific word from this message. It may be different for every person, but everybody, everybody got something. So help us to take those things home and apply them to our lives and, and do what we need to do to enter your rest. Lord, you're so good. You're so gracious and you're so patient with us. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. You might be thinking right now, yes, I, I definitely want to receive God's rest, but I haven't actually received the gift of salvation yet. Well, we can get that taken care of right now. It's actually as simple as believing that Jesus died to give you salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's all Jesus. And all you have to do is recognize that and then just receive the gift that Jesus gave you of salvation. See, no one's looking around. This is just between you and Jesus. Like if that's you, if, if you're ready to receive the gift of salvation, I want you to just lift your hand as a way to solidify this decision in your heart. So if that's you, just lift your hand up real quick and put it back down. And church, what I want to do is let's join them together in saying a prayer together. Go ahead and repeat this after me. Jesus, I've been living without you and I don't want to do that anymore. I've done a lot of things wrong and I need your forgiveness. I accept your love and grace for me. And I ask that you would lead my life. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for washing away my past. I hand my life over to you. And I ask that you'd help me walk out your plan for my life. In Jesus' name, amen.
God, we just thank you for all those who received Jesus, who rededicated their lives to Jesus, and we know that you're going to lead them in every step that they need to take from this point forward. Lord, help us to come together as a church and, and continue to take those steps forward together into our best life, into the limitless life that you've created for us. God, we trust you for wisdom, and we trust you for clarity. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, Brian, go ahead and leave that on my computer if you would, because I have some pictures to show. Sorry, I forgot to tell you. Y'all were like super quiet today, but I'm believing that y'all got something on. Yeah, you're just, you're just sitting there in rest, aren't you? The spirit of rest is on the room. I love it. Y'all go ahead and bring the lights back up. I want to show you a picture here. Uh, this is a truck actually in the Philippines carrying some construction equipment. <laughs> I always like to share with you guys uh, a way that your giving is making an impact all around the world. And, and you may know that we actually send $300 a month over to the Philippines to help support a church there. Yeah, that's all it takes to support a church in the Philippines. Like, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> but not only that, but they're actually, this, the same church as they're building a new building right now, just getting started right now, and we sent $7,500 over there to help them build that new building. Super awesome. So that's what enabled them to buy all this construction equipment, and they're just, they're over there working hard right now. Anybody want to head to the Philippines and help them put the building together? <laughs> So when you give, you're not only furthering the mission of this church, but you're furthering outreaches all around the world, including here in the Philippines. So as you give today, or as you give throughout the week, if you're giving online or through recurring giving, however you do it, whenever you give, I just want you to thank God that he's using it to impact lives in this church and impact lives all around the world. If you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand, and there's two guys in the back that'll give you an offering envelope. If you're giving by debit or credit card, you can actually use the instructions on the screen. Or if you're listening online right now, just head to your browser and type in nolimits.fyi, kind of like .com. You just use .fyi instead, and then tap that giving button. All right, y'all, if this is your first time to No Limits, for your first time in a long time, I just want to say, we are really glad that you're here. Y'all are awesome. We believe that God has a great plan for your life. If I haven't said that enough already this morning, I really do believe that. And he wants to accomplish amazing things through you, and we want to help you get there. And that's why we're here. So thank you for being here today. And we'd love to see you next week too. And now we're about halfway through our fall semester of small groups. Anybody having a good time in those? If you haven't joined one yet, it's not too late to jump in. You can just use the information on the screen to find your small group. If you're already in a small group, but you're having a hard time showing up, let me just encourage you to prioritize it on your schedule. And I know a lot of you, like, you signed up for multiple small groups and you're having a hard time making it to all of them. Well, I want you to just pick one that you prioritize and make sure to show up there every week because, like, the consistency is what matters in building those relationships. Like, you just got to see each other every week and it begins to open up that door. Small groups are a very important part of your spiritual journey. Like, it's not something that we do just to have you give you guys something else to do. Anybody need something else to do? No, we don't need anything else to do, but we do need these relationships, and that's why small groups exist. It's because of these relationships that, like, if, if you're wondering or if you're struggling, like, your small groups, the people that are like, hey, come back, come back over here. And we all need that in our lives, because if we're over here on an island by ourselves, we're going astray. We're going astray. We need people. Let's pray over our offering. Lord, thank you so much for this generous church and what we're able to do through the generosity. I ask that you take this offering and that you multiply it in our church and that you multiply it and send it out all around the world and that you even multiply it in our personal finances, God. Just like your word says, when we're faithful to tithe, you open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so much we can't contain it. And we receive that blessing this morning and we also rebuke the devourer in, in Jesus' name. All those things that try to devour our income, we just send them out the door. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. 
It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.